I just want to continue to write on what Pastor Karen has shared last week. She shared about the anointing of God, right? She shared about the anointing of God and how we shouldn't separate the secular and the sacred and how the anointing of God needs to be in our lives so that we can be effective in every part, in everything that we do, right? Correct? Remember that? If not, then can go on YouTube and watch it again, right? Can go on YouTube and watch it again. Praise God for, for technology nowadays. But today, I just want to continue on on this and I want to title my sermon this evening, Special Anointing. Hmm. Upper two, Special Anointing, you know? It's called Special Anointing. Okay, I, I want us to, to think about this. Nowadays, how many of you are, are working in... in most of you are working, working in companies. I mean, some of you own your own business. So how many of you are working in companies? Okay, only a handful of you. Very good. Yeah. Okay, all of you, you recognize, you know that you have an uh, access card, right? Most of you who are working in companies, you have your access card. This is not my access card, obviously, you know. Uh, you have your access card, and, and that access card is, most companies will have it nowadays, right? Because it's for security purposes. Right? It's an access card for you to be able to enter into your office building, for you to access certain areas in your building. So some, some of you have only limited access to certain areas only. Similarly to me, you know, even in this church, we have access cards and there are certain areas that I have limited access. I can't even access those places. Like, I, cannot, I, I, I cannot even open certain doors when really it's because it's limited access, right? And if you go to certain governmental areas or whatever, those, you know, in the army or whatever, they have those top secret rooms, right? Top secret rooms and then only with the authorized access, only you can go in, right? So all of us will have, we have all this access card and it's a very common thing. But do you know, in the Old Testament, this access card system was already put in place and that was in the form of our, the tabernacle. The tabernacle of God, where it was the place of the presence of God, had only limited access. Only certain people could enter into the tabernacle of God. Okay? I'm going to talk about that a little bit more. So, only certain people, only a certain group, only a certain tribe, which is the tribe of Levite, could enter into the tabernacle. And not all Levites were priests. Only a certain group, certain family line from the tribe of Levite, which were the Kohathites, were priests. So only they had access into the tabernacle. Okay? So only they could enter into this area where the presence of God was and where they worshipped the Lord in the Old Testament time. Okay? So this is a very interesting setup that they had. Right? The tabernacle was a restricted area for Israelites and because it was God's presence was there. God's presence is holy, holy but man's presence was, was unholy. That's why there were a lot of rules and regulations. There were a lot of ways in which even the, the Levites themselves had to approach it very carefully. Any, any violation of those regulations would result in death and, or probably leprosy. Okay, that was how strict it was. In the, in the Old Testament days, okay? In the Old Testament days, this is how strict it was. I want us to notice, even the Kohathites, even those who were priests, who were allowed to access into the tabernacle, if you read your Bible, and if you remember this, the priests who were, uh, who were allowed to enter, all could enter only to a certain area. There was only one person who was allowed to enter into the Holy of Holies. And that was the high priest. Okay. What was so special about that? I want us to see these two scriptures. Let's study these two scriptures together. Today I'm going to do a little bit of, of preaching, teaching. Is that okay? Ken? I, can I preach and teach a little bit, Ken? But you've got to follow me, yeah? because if you get lost, then you'll be like, ah, Pastor Messi, you know what happened, you know? Okay? So you follow me, yeah? Okay, so there was this thing called a regular anointing. Okay, I want us to see this. Exodus chapter 28, verse 41. It says here, So you shall put them on your, them meaning put the anointing, right? So you shall put them on Aaron, your brother, and his sons with him. You shall anoint them consecrate them and sanctify them 
and they may minister to me as priests. Okay? Can you see the um, plural plural pronoun? Is it plural, plural? Is it correct? Plural pronoun there? It's about them, right? It's them, it's they, it's uh, you shall anoint them, you shall consecrate them and sanctify them that they may minister to me as priests, okay? So this was the anointing that all the Kohatites had. They all had this anointing. All of them. Now look at the special anointing. Leviticus chapter 8, verse 10 to 12. It says this, Also, Moses took the anointing oil and anointed the tabernacle and all that was in it and consecrated them. He sprinkled some of, of it on the altar seven times, anointed the altar and all its utensils and the lever and its base and to consecrate them. And, watch here, and he poured some of the anointing oil on Aaron's head and anointed him and consecrated him. Okay. Do you see the difference? Do you see that the earlier part was talking about the general anointing that was given to all the Kohatites? All the priests who were to minister in the tabernacle had that same anointing. But in Leviticus chapter 8, it talks about a specific and a very special anointing upon Aaron, who was the chosen high priest. He was the first high priest that was chosen, who was able to enter into the Holy of Holies. Okay, so you have a special anointing that was on... Oh, suddenly move already, went. thanks. <laughs> it's like special anointing, suddenly, woohoo. Yeah, I came here. Yeah, thank you. Uh, yeah, and, and suddenly, this anointing was upon him and him alone. When this special anointing was on him, he had access into the Holy of Holies. Now, the Bible tells us that he was the first appointed high priest and, and that access gave him to a, a, something that was so amazing that only he saw and only he experienced. We can see the principle here of, of the anointing of God. Okay, the tabernacle was made out of three parts. Okay, if, uh, if some of us may not understand, this tabernacle was a setup. It was like a moving church. Because remember, the Israelites were traveling, where they were in a wilderness. So when they were in the wilderness, they need to worship God. So, and, and, and God was very clever. So God made this mobile church that was everywhere they stopped, they had a church. So they built a tabernacle and the tabernacle had three parts to it. The outer court, the inner court, and the holy of holies. Okay? Following me, yeah? Okay? The outer court, the inner court, and the holy of holies. The outer court was done, everything in the outer court was done in natural light. Everything in the outer court was done in natural light, which means in the day they would do whatever they need to do, like the sacrifices and the washing and whatever. All those things were done in natural light. The inner court was inside another chamber and it was, it was dark, but yet it was lit by a candle. Okay, so it was still not, not fully, it was not fully supernatural because you have a manual, a candle there which they lit and they put oil and they, you know, and they had the fire going. And then comes to this part where it's called the Holy of Holies. The Holy of Holies had a veil outside. And only the high priest could enter into the Holy of Holies. Okay? Only the high priest could enter into the Holy of Holies. And inside the Holy of Holies, it is a perfect cube. It's a perfect cube. It was 15 feet by 15 feet all around. And inside this 15 feet by 15 feet space, all they had was the Ark of the Covenant. Okay? The Ark of the Covenant was inside there. And it had light. And that light was the light of the glory of God in there. That was all that was inside. It was a supernatural glow that was in that place because the presence, the very presence of God was there. It was the realm of no explanation. It was the place where there was in 
actually, honestly, on its own, it will be pure darkness when there is nothing there to, to illuminate this whole room. But this room was illuminated by the very presence of God. Do you remember when Moses climbed up onto Mount Sinai and then he got the thing? And then when he, when he came down, there was a glow on his face, right? So when he got his, uh, the, the Ten Commandments, the tablets, he had a glow on his face. And that was the glory of the Lord upon him. That was something that was unexplainable. So in the Holy of Holies was the same thing. There was a presence of God that was unexplainable. There was, it's a realm of no explanation. It's a realm where supernatural was happening. There was nothing natural about it. And only the high priest could enter into that presence. And I believe with all my heart, that whatever that's going to happen in our lives, in this next season of our lives, we must be able to experience it in the supernatural. That everything that needs to happen in your life is something that needs to happen in the realm of no explanation. Where you can then step back and say, oh my God, only God could have done this. Do you know that Jesus is he had told us, you know, Jesus is the high priest. He has, he has fulfilled it all and He is the high priest. The veil is torn. And you know what? Every single one of us have access right now into the presence of God. We don't need the high priest. There's no one person only to pre present the sacrifice and be that person that mediates God and man. Jesus himself, himself has fulfilled it all. He died on the cross for us and He paid the price for us and therefore we also have that access into the very presence of God. We have access into supernatural. We have access into the fullness of God. We have access to all God wants for us. Amen? Okay, only five people believe in me. Lah. Okay, do you all believe it? Because you know why? I've come to a point in my life, in my ministry, right? I don't want a, another regular anointing. I don't want to live like everybody else that, okay, yeah, yeah, we are anointed, we are anointed, we are all very anointed, we know we get the oil, we are very anointed. But yet, right, we still go through things like, and then we, we, we are, we, we don't see the supernatural happening, we don't see those miracles happening. Come on, we just sang it, we serve a God that is a way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper, not finders keepers, yeah. My son goes, you know, way maker, miracle worker, finders keepers. Yeah, I'm like, finders keepers? Up under, you know, finders keepers? <laughs> yeah. And he really thought it was. So I told him, no, no, wrong, wrong lyrics. And he goes, no, no, no. Are you mean I've been saying this wrong all this while? I said, yeah. Finders keepers, no, 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 finders keepers. He is the way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper. He's the life changer. He is the healer. He is the almighty God. Amen. Amen. And I want to see those things happening in my life. And I, want, and I believe with all my heart, every single one of us have that anointing, have that, have that access to the anointing to enter into the presence of God and experience the fullness of God in our lives to the next season. Amen. And I need you to believe it with all your hearts because I don't want just to have to, to be another, another priest who just experiences it on the outer court or even in the inner court. I want to experience the fullness of God in my life. I don't want to just experience and touch the fringes of His anointing and the fringes of His miracle. But I want the fullness of His miracle. Anybody want to enter into the Holy of Holies with me? Yeah, I want that. Don't you want that? Every believer should want it. Every believer should desire for it to see miracles happening in your life. When you pray for your business, boom, something happens. When you pray for that breakthrough, something happens. And really, you got all you can do is stand back and say, look what the Lord has done. That's what I want. That's what I want to see. I believe with all my heart that the next season of your life has to be something that is so supernatural that you would really be in awe of what God has done in your life. Amen? Amen. So, this is, this is, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to go bring us through the tabernacle because the tabernacle itself, as well as each element in the tabernacle, are, spiritual symbol, uh, have, are spiritually symbolic and carry important significance for Christians today. Okay? There are, there are Christian symbolisms for us today through the tabernacle. 
So I'm going to walk us through the tabernacle. Okay, and, and I hope that we can tie it in a little bit so that you can understand how, how important it is, the steps that we have to take in order to have that full access into the presence of God. Okay, can we do that? So follow me, yeah? I'm going to take off my shoes. No, 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 not yet. Maybe afterwards. Okay, so here are the eight steps. I want you to, if you're taking notes, take notes and write this down. The first thing is this. God had to be first. God has to be first. Now, when the Israelites were traveling in the wilderness, when the Israelites were traveling in the wilderness, what happened was this. Every time they stopped to rest, every time they stopped to camp somewhere, what do you think they did first? They set up the tabernacle. That was the very first thing they did. They set up the tabernacle. They didn't, uh, they didn't, they didn't rest for a while. Are oh, you very hot? Okay, okay, let's, let me put up my own tent first, my own house tent. There was no such thing. They set up the tabernacle. They set up the very place where the presence of God was going to inhabit, where this is the place that they're going to worship the Lord, and this is the place where all the rituals are going to be done, and, and this is God. We honour God first. God has to be first. God is first. God is not just top 10. God is not top 10. He is number one before number one. He is preeminent before anything else. That's what they did. The Israelites set up the tent. If you look at this picture, right in the center is where the tabernacle is. That's the moving church, okay? Of, the, of, of that time. That's the tabernacle. And all the other tents, after they've put this up, then they will set up all the other tents, their own family camp, around the tabernacle. And all the, tab all the tents would face inward towards the tabernacle. That was how they set the order of things. What about us today? We want the full access of God. But yet a lot of times we don't put Him first. Why does the Bible say, Seek ye first the kingdom of God? and His righteousness, and then everything else will be added to you. We pray, God, this is my top 10. Lord, please help me get my top 10. But you've not even put God at the highest. How is that order even right? Because the moment you know how to put God first in your life, the moment you know how to Position him, he is right on top. He is above everything else. He is the, in the center of your life. Literally, Jesus at the center of it all. Literally. He is at the center of your everything. Do you not think he would order everything else in your life? Do you not think that he would have access into the presence of God and to the fullness of God? What did he say? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and what? Some things will be added unto you and certain things will be added unto you and part of the things will... No, it says, and all these things shall be added unto you. God had to be first. You want the full access? Put him first before you even establish anything else, whether it's your family, your career, your relationships, whatever it is, put Him first in your life. You get that order right, everything else will fall into place. Amen? Very quiet, are you? I'm scared. I'm scared. Okay? Number two. You still following me, huh? Okay. So this one I must take off shoe because I may, I'm scared I'm planting and I fall down. Okay? Okay. Oh, not yet. Okay, never mind. Okay, never mind. I can take off shoe now. Secondly, I want you to notice this. So after they set up the tabernacle and the different tribes start, are, are placed 
are, are all putting up their tents in the north, south, east, and west of the, the tabernacle. Guess which tribe was in front? I mean, the answer is there, lah. Hello. Which tribe? <laughs> ah, yeah, you all, lah. Which tribe is in front? Judah, okay? Judah, collectively, there were three tribes there. Issachar, Judah, and Zebulon, which were collectively known as the tribe of Judah. Okay? So these three tribes were at the east, which means right in front at the entrance of the... Of the okay, okay, you can click on the next one, I think. I think that's, it's clearer. Oh, okay. Ha! Huh, can see, eh? Ah, there, you see? Can you see the, the door, the, the door? And then Judah is right there, Zebulun, Judah, and Issachar. Those three collectively are called the tribe of Judah. Okay? So which tribes were in front, right at the entrance? The tribe of Judah. They were in front, right, leading right in front of the, the entrance. Okay? Why is this so significant that it's not any other tribe? Why is it so significant that it was the tribe of Judah that was right in front at the entrance? Do you know what Judah stands for? That's right. Praise. Judah stands for praise. You want to enter into the presence of God? It means praise. In fact, the Jewish word is yada. Pastor Vincent mentioned this before. Yada. Yada means lifting up of hands. And what is this lifting up of hands? It's lifting up of hands with thanksgiving. It's lifting up of hands, thanking God for all that He has done in your life. It's lifting up of hands with the gratitude in our hearts and in our spirit. No wonder the psalmist says, enter His gates with thanksgiving in your heart and His courts with praise. Enter His gates with thanksgiving in our hearts and His courts with praise. Yada! Yada! Your way into the presence of God. Enter His gates with that thanksgiving. There is so much to be thankful for. So much that we can be grateful for. So much that we want to say, thank you, Lord. I thank you with a grateful heart. I lift up my hands with praise to you as I enter into your presence. Nothing else can give you access into the presence of God. It's praise that will give you access into the presence of God. It's with a thankful heart. It's with a heart that remembers that God, it is because, it's only because of your goodness, it's only because of what you have done for me that I'm still here. And, you, and when you come with praise in your heart, you enter into the fullness of the presence of the Lord. The Bible is true and real one. Really, when you enter His gates with your thanksgiving and your courts with praise, and you just become, you come into His presence, not, it's not about asking God, God, you know, I want this, I want that. It's coming into His presence and just adoring Him for who He is. That's why the tribe of Judah was right at the entrance. That's why the tribe of Judah was there, was, was, not, was not any other tribe. It was there that, that the tribe of Judah was. And every time when they went to war, guess which tribe led the, the army? Guess which tribe led the army? Judah! And they would blow their trumpets and shouts of praise. Can you imagine how annoying it is to the enemy? How annoying is it to have, you know, there you're going to fight and then these people are dancing and singing and like, boop, 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 like, Wow, it's this kind of taunting, you know. You think, well, you're so clever. You go win battle already. But you only do that when you, after you win. You think you're going to win. But that was how it was. They sang their way to victory even before they got their victory, brothers and sisters in Christ. They worshipped the Lord. Even in your nothingness, you keep worshipping the Lord. Even when you don't see those miracles, even when you don't see God working, He's still working. So you sing praises. Even when you don't understand all that is going on, you sing praises. You continue to worship Him because He is a good God. He is a faithful God. He who has seen you through all these years will continue to see you through. So you continue to praise God. Then you will enter into the presence of God with the fullness of joy in your hearts.
But many of us, I know we get distracted by that emptiness. We get distracted by the nothingness. We get distracted by, I'm sinking. But I want to remind us today, you want to see miracles happening in your life. Keep praising Him. Borrow praise from your future. If there's such a thing. Borrow praise from your future. Borrow praise from your victory and start singing today. Not when it happens. You start singing now. I don't understand, but I praise you. I don't understand, but it is well with my soul. I don't understand you, but God, I know you are the way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper. You keep on praising him. Amen? Yeah? Number three. Following me, yeah? Okay? So number one. What was number one? God is first. That's right. God is first. Number one. First of all, oh no, God is number one. Okay? God is number one. You put God first, everything else will. Number two is Judah was at the tribe. You praise. Okay? Right in front there, it reminded to praise him every day of your life. Okay? Number three. One entrance. Now, the tabernacle was surrounded by 400 feet of white curtain or white linen. 400 feet around in this rectangular place. 400 feet. But there was only one entrance. This entrance could be noticeable because you won't like, hey, where's the entrance? Huh? You're trying to open the window. You know, sometimes you curtain so many curtains, you don't know which part, where's the opening or so. And you flip, flip, flip. It, it wasn't something like that. It was not an ambiguous kind of entrance, you know, like, don't know whether this is the entrance or that side. It was a clear entrance. Because the, the, the covering of that entrance or the cloth to that entrance was made of blue, scarlet, and, uh, and, and, and purple. So it was very obvious you would notice that that is the entrance to the tabernacle. You won't, you won't miss it, okay? You won't miss this entrance. But there is only one entrance. This church is not very tabernacle-ish la, because it's got two entrances. Got two exits, because for safety purposes, there was only one entrance. There was only one door. One door. One door. One door that would lead them into the tabernacle. Why was there one door? There is, it's such a huge place. 400 feet around, you know, there's the, only one entrance. Why do you think God only had one entrance? What, it is, what does this symbolize to us? Thank you. Because there's only one way into the presence of God. It's not multiple choice. There's no multiple choice answer. Is it an MCQ? No, no M, not MCA. MCA. Multiple choice answer. It's not a multiple choice. How many, how can I enter to the presence of God? Number one is like this. Number two is like this. Number three, A, B, C, D, or all the above. No, no, there's no all the above. There is only one way. The Jesus, the Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. There's only one way. No one else can give you access into the presence of God. There's only one way. There is only one door, there's only one access into the presence of the Lord. There is, in this world where many think that, that is acceptable, that in our pluralistic, pluralistic society, that, that scripture, but scripture teaches us otherwise, that there is not many, many ways to a God. To God. There is only one way. There is no other way. There is no other way to to the fullness of God, to the fullness of life, to the fullness, you know, God, God came, you know, the enemy came to steal, kill and destroy, but Jesus came to give us life and life in abundance. There is no other way to get, to get this abundant life. No other way. Only one way. Only one way. No good works, nothing else. Only one way. That's why there was only one entrance. You know, we just finished the uh, Come Out and Come Home conference. 
there were several people who shared their testimonies of how they live a lifestyle that they thought would give them fulfillment. They went through, some of them even went through gender change because they really felt that they were born the opposite gender. Several of them gave their testimonies and one particular guy, he shared and he said, you know, but three or four years down the road, he just felt, even with that gender change, he still didn't feel complete. Now, we thank the Lord, he has found the Lord. And the Lord has restored him, restored his identity. This is not the first story I've heard. I've heard another guy as well. When I was in Bible school, I remember that guy came and he shared his testimony as well of how he went through so many sex changes and yet he still felt that emptiness. You know why, brothers and sisters in Christ? Folks, the fulfillment and everything else, the money, the whatever, anything else will not give you the fullness of life. The only thing that will give you the fullness of life is through Christ. That's why there's only one way. There's no multiple choice answers. We can't be depending on something else in hoping that we will also have the full access of God. You can't be Your parents can't bring you into the presence of God. Those of you who are born in Christian families, it is not your parents' faith that is going to give you access into the presence of God. It is your relationship with God that grants you access into the presence of God. One way. No other way. And then, as you walked into the entrance, there was something called the brazen altar. The brazen altar was a place where the sacrifices were sorted and then they were burnt there, they, they, were, they were sacrificed there. Okay, The sacrifices for the atonement of sin and all that, it, that, that was the place where they would place a place of sacrifice, where blood, flew, where blood flowed. You know, it was, it was actually, in today's understanding, it represented the blood of Jesus Christ. It represented the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross. The cross was his altar of sacrifice. And it's because of the blood of Jesus Christ that we have been set free. Nothing else can wash away what we have done in the past. Nothing else can cleanse us. Nothing else can... I, I don't care what you, you say, you know, I've never killed anybody, I've never betrayed anybody, I've never done anything bad to anybody. You know. All of us, guess what? All of us have sinned before. Even a small little child can tell lies. Right? Can tell lies and say, no, I didn't do it. No, I, 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 you know, I, I've never, I, I didn't steal it. No, I didn't eat it. No, I didn't look at it. No, I didn't touch it. They can tell lies. Because that is our sinful nature. They can be angry. They can hit you. They can, you know, oh, children. Nobody teaches them. Who, who, who teaches them to tell lies? Nobody teaches them. Okay, boy, ah, boy, next time, ah, if daddy catches you, right, you just tell him, I didn't do it. It was Coco who did it. Nobody teaches them things like this, ma, right? Not. Who teaches them? To tell lies. But it's an inherent inborn nature because we have been born sinners. But guess what? We thank the Lord that His sacrifice on the cross made a way for us. That, that's why when the song goes, you know, what can wash away my sin? What? Where 
It's sad, right? You all, you all don't know the song, is it? What can uh, make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. And oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fountain, no, nothing but the blood of Jesus. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus has set each one of us free. I don't know what you have been through. I don't know what shame sometimes we try to cover ourselves. But I want you to know, by the blood of Jesus, he has covered it all. Your sin, your past, whatever that you have gone through before, nothing can haunt you. It cannot come back and creep back and say, you see, you did this, you did this. Shut up, Satan. Jesus has won it all for me, has done it all for me. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. I forgot to tell you something about the door. Let me rewind a little bit. Do you remember I told you that only the Levites, the Kohathites can go in, right? So it, it's only a limited number of people. It's not a huge group. Of, I think it's a few thousand of them, okay? But they don't all go in at one time, okay? They all have their duties. It's not like 8,000 of them go in, you know? It's, it's, it's not like that. But it was very interesting. Do you know how big the door was? that entrance to the tabernacle was 30 feet wide. The entrance to the tabernacle was 30 feet wide. I want you to know I too carry sins that are huge and big. But I'm so thankful that the access into the presence of God is so big. It's not, it's not just for those who are nice and clean and you know who are perfect, who can enter into the presence of God. That's why His God, door is so big, it's so wide. So that you can drag whatever junk you have in there and let Him wash you clean of it and you can enter into His presence. By the blood of the Lamb. No matter how big and how whatever the past is, whatever it is, you can enter into the presence of God and He will wash you clean. Because that's how wide the entrance is. 30 feet. I thought to myself, why must it be so big? It's not like so many people enter at one time or so. You only have so limited access that time. But yet, sometimes in our church, we've made the, the road, the door so narrow. When certain groups of people walk in and we kind of like, we don't even know how to respond to it. But the access into the presence of God is huge because He wants all to be able to enter in. God can wash away all your sins. Your past is covered. You are cleansed by the blood of the Lamb. Amen? Yeah? And then, as we enter further into it, there is this thing called the brazen lever. It's a brazen lever, and it's this big, it's this thing, this thing, yeah? where there's water in it. And the priests would then clean themselves because after they sacrifice, you know, got the blood and stuff like that, right? So they have to cleanse themselves. 
they have to clean themselves because this is the place where it's a holy place. The tabernacle, the entire area of the tabernacle is a holy place. Yeah, so they have to clean themselves and wash themselves. And it was then, this is now the symbol, symbol that uh, for the first time, sorry, first time when the priests went in, Moses washed them. Okay, it was very significant. Okay, so the first time when they went in, when they used this tabernacle, Moses washed all the priests. And after that, they all washed themselves. Okay? It is actually to symbolize this. When Jesus saved us, He saved us once and for all, we are saved. But as we walk in this journey, we still continue to pick up dirt in our lives. We still continue to do things which are not so good, not so godly, not so, not so Christ-like. And that's why there is a process called, which we don't hear very often anymore in churches, called sanctification. Sanctification means to be washed daily, to recognize that we are sinners and to ask God, Lord, forgive us of our sins and, and to be washed and renewed in His presence and in the Word. And what is, what, what is the mirror to us? What is mirrored to us is the Word of God. A lot of us now live by the standards of the world. We live by the standards of culture. We use the culture as our mirror and say that what we are doing is okay well, because everybody else is doing it. This is grey area already, Pastor Gwen. No, it's grey area already. Last time, last time in those days, people old-fashioned a bit. But nowadays, you know, we can do this also because everybody else is doing it. Come on. Why are you so kunoan? No, no, I may tell you that's why. That's why nobody wants to become Christian already because you all got a set of do's. No, 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 no. It's not a set of do's and don'ts. I live my life according to what God says. And I've said this over and over before. The Word of God is not a set of do's and don'ts. The Word of God has always been there to protect us. Because the Creator Himself knows what, is, what can be done, what cannot be done. So when you, you, when you don't use this life, when you don't use this product in the right way, you will end up in the trouble. So the Creator gave you an instruction manual. But instead of reading the instruction manual, you look at other people, how they use theirs. Huh? Oh, they also use like that. Why can't I use like that also? Oh, they, they also added that. Why can't I add that? But it's not in your instruction manual. That is not what you should be following. The instruction manual where the creator of whatever product gives you the instruction manual, you cannot read the, the instruction manual. If you have a Cuvings slow juicer, you cannot be reading a Philips juicer to find out how Cuvings work. Correct or not? But why? Why do we do this? Why do we read other people's instruction manual and then say, hey, you're the same standard where we are. Hello? Cuvings is a high-end blender. It's a high-end slow juicer. I'm not promoting. I don't get any. I don't get any commission from them. Yeah. It's a high-end slow juicer. How can you compare with a, a Philips or a Panasonic? We like because everybody else is using a Panasonic. I mean, nothing wrong with Panasonic, please, 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 please. Nothing wrong with Panasonic, it's very good. I also got Panasonic, I, but I also got Cubics, yeah. But yeah. You also have one, right? Very good, right? It's very good, right? Yeah. Auntie talking or something. The mirror is the word of God. It's not anything else, it's not the standards of the world. That's why the Ephesians, you know, when he talks in the instructions about wives submit to your husband, you know, and, and, and husband uh, uh, wash your wives, you know, with the, with the daily watching and renewal of, of, the, of the Word, through the Word, through the Word of God. You renew and refresh by the Word of God. That's the washing. How often do you bathe? Oh, thank you, Daniel. I'm glad you bathe every day. Everybody else bathes twice, uh, once in two days, is it? We all bathe at least once or twice a day, correct? At least, uh, at least, I hope. You can smell your neighbour now, how do they smell? <laughs> I hope they bathe at least once or twice a day, uh, okay? Yeah. If we physically bathe once or twice a day, what about our spiritual lives? 
Have you washed it with the reading of God's Word? <laughs> At least once or twice a day? But no, 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 we must read other things. We must Google it, we must Facebook it. Yeah, what other people are doing? Oh, WhatsApp, yeah. Instagram it, you know. And Instagram, what oh, you see, we see, we read all that so much more than what when we, when we read and then we read the Word of God. You look through Shopee more than you read through the Word of God. I don't laugh. Get all the innocent where, where God, where, why Shopee? I've never heard of it in my life. Yeah. I also don't promote for them. Uh. I don't get any commission or so, okay? How oh, Alex, how? Huh? <laughs> yeah. Brazen altar. We wash and renewed, and we need to be renewed in the presence of God. We need to be renewed by the word of God every day of our lives. Amen? Yeah? Okay? Then we can really have that full access into the presence of God. Number six. Number six. Now, remember I said in the outer court, everything was done in the natural light. So the brazen altar, the, the whatever, what, the, the lever and all, all these things are done in natural light. Okay, then they enter into that, okay, never mind, no more picture already, that another tent-ish within this tabernacle, right? And that was the outer court. Eh, sorry, the inner court. Outer court, just now, and now inner court. And inside the inner court, there was a golden lampstand, the menorah. Okay, there was a huge, uh, I remember going to, to Israel and then there was this place where they call it the, um, I don't even know what it's called, but I know it's a place where the, the David, supposedly the, the body of David is there, entombed there, okay, supposedly. Like, and, then, and then you can still see Jews actually kneeling by his coffin and praying there. Yeah, and there's this huge statue of David and there was a huge menorah there as well, this, this, this lampstand, huge, huge menorah there. Anyway, so, the lampstand is there, and it is where, now listen here, the lampstand is where fire and oil come together. Fire and oil come together. Okay, it is where oil is added into the menorah, and then they light the fire. What does fire and oil represent to you? Oh, this Pentecostal church, I worried. Come on! What does fire and oil mean to you? Symbolize the Holy Spirit. That's right. The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the way, is, 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 is the presence of God. The Holy Spirit is it's a symbolic. This, this lampstand is symbolic of the Holy Spirit where fire and... I want, I want to be a place where the Holy Spirit is in. I want to be a place where... Uh, you know, David says, God, I want to be anointed by oil and endowment and endorsement, like what Pastor Karen said. David got anointed. Now, she, she talked about this last week. She talked about the purpose of anointing. She talked about, you know, it, it, it was a, a consecration. It was a setting apart for office, right? David was anointed. David was anointed in 1 Samuel chapter 17, if I'm not mistaken. He was anointed. Do you know one chapter later what happened? He went into a fight. He went into war. He was anointed as king, yeah? But he didn't become king because the next thing he had to do was he fought battles. We all want anointing, huh? Are we prepared for the battle? Are we prepared to fight giants? Are we prepared to go through what we have to go through as the anointing of God comes upon our lives, we will have to go through different circumstances in your life. I don't know what you're going through, but I believe the anointing of God is there for your life so that you will be able to be victorious in whatever challenges that you go through. The anointing of God is in your life so that you'll be able to overcome the giants that come before you, that taunt you, that say that, who do you think you are? You're such a nobody. You're a small boy. And you want to fight me, Goliath? But the anointing of God is there in your life. You are anointed because God's preparing you for whatever that is ahead. If you want the anointing, it also comes. It's not just, oh, oh yeah, it's, I got the presence of God. I want to see miracles happening. But to see miracles happening, right, something has to happen, right? 
a problem has to happen, right? Something has to be like, oh no, you know, uh, how I, I, I need a miracle. You know, I, God, is, God will make a way where there seems to be no way. But if you are not looking for a way, you don't need a way anymore. So it's because there is something going on, there is a circumstance that is going on, that's why you need a way maker. There is a problem in front of you, that's why you need the miracle worker. If not, you don't need all those things. But when the anointing of God is upon you, brothers and sisters, you will be able to go through what you have to go through victoriously. You don't come to Him not just in spears and swords fighting with your own battles by yourself. But as David says, I come to you in the name of the Lord God Almighty. I will, I will slaughter you. And you face it and you win the battle. And you know that for a fact that there is no way David could have won the battle. No way that all of us can still stand in awe and say, how in the world did David win a battle when he has never even fought in the army before? He was tending his father's sheep. Isn't that a supernatural encounter with God? Don't you want that kind of encounter where you know you have that access into the presence of God and that anointing and when you go through into your battles, yes! I don't know how in the world I got through that season. I have no idea. It's only the presence of God. The power of the Holy Spirit. Number seven. I have to move quickly. Okay. Table of showbread was also inside there. The table of showbread. What is the table of showbread? The table of showbread was God's reminder, was a reminder of God's provision to the 12 tribes. It was a reminder, remember when they were in the wilderness, they survived on manna from heaven? Yeah, they survived on manna from heaven. It was a reminder that God was faithful to the 12 tribes and the bread was there. It was a reminder of God's faithfulness. John 6.35 says, Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Whoever who comes to me will never grow hungry and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. John, that was John, John 6.35. Later in verse 51, he said, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. Sometimes we prep, we have to prepare ourselves for the next thing that's going to happen supernaturally. And but, but because you don't see it happening just yet, you need to keep reminding yourself that God, it's the same God that had provided for you bread for the Israelites all this while miraculously, who that has seen you through the different tough times in the past, it's the same God that is with you confronting whatever you need to go through. That is the table of showbread. It is a table of gratitude. Again, reminds us of gratitude. It's a table that reminds us of God's faithfulness. It's a table that reminds us that God is great. God is miraculous. God is a provider. He is Jehovah Jireh, the Lord that supplies all our needs. What are you lacking of? What is it that you're going through? You say, God... I don't know how I'm going to get through this season. Maybe a reminder to you. He's Jehovah Jireh. The God that provided manna. The God that put bread on the table. He is the bread of life. That if you eat of this bread, you will never, ever, ever go hungry. He's your all-sufficiency. So the priests, they come, they set up the tabernacle. God was first. And they praised God as they entered into the presence of the Lord through that one entrance. And they performed their duties at the brazen altar where they burned the sacrifices and blood flowed there. And then they went on to the brazen level where they washed themselves clean. Then they went into the inner courts where the lamp was there that signifies the power of the Holy Spirit. And then there was the table of showbread. And no one else but Aaron could do the next part. The rest of the priests couldn't go further. This was right before the veil 
there was a table of incense. It was a table of incense where the priests, there were a few things on the table and they had to mix this concoction to make this incense. It had a sweet smoke aroma that was coming out from that place. And there was like a chimney sort of thing that allowed the smoke to go up from that, this table of incense, this area here. And as the smoke went up, the people around, around the tents, they all saw this smoke. They all saw this incense going up. It was a reminder to them that as their prayers go up, God was here listening to all their prayers. As their worship was going up, God was, God was seeing all this worship. It was a place right before the entrance into the Holy of Holies where the high priest had to prepare this concoction of, of incense. And then he put some, the coal, into his censer, which is like a, a hanging thing, you know, like now how you use aromatherapy, right? It's the censer thing. Those of you who go to traditional churches or Catholic churches, you have seen it before, that censer. They hold it and they do anointing with the censer. And they put it in there and they put the censer into the Holy of Holies so that some of the smoke would actually blur out, would, would dim a little bit of the glory of God on the mercy seat which was on top of the Ark of the Covenant. So that when they enter there, they won't be blinded by the glory of God. priest is probably at this table trembling. You know that they put a bell around the, the priest, the high priest. Because if the priest himself had sinned in his life or had done something wrong and he had, if he entered into the Holy of Holies, the very presence of God cannot stand sin. It's quite scary. So as he was holding this thing, he would, he would hear it, cling, lang, cling, lang, cling, lang, cling, lang, cling, lang. There's suddenly no sound then. There was a rope that the other priest would pull him out because he's probably dead in the presence of God. That was how scary it was those days. To have access, the full access into the presence of God. So I can imagine him standing there. God, Jehovah, Yahweh stripped down only to his undergarments. Nothing else. Linen undergarments. He says, God, I'm going to enter. Yahweh, I'm going to enter into your presence. I'm going to make an atonement sacrifice for your people. Forgive us for all our sins. And then he steps into the Holy of Holies. No one else could see it and feel it. And it was right there where he sees the supernatural happening. Friends, today you and I, you don't need to have a high priest to walk in before you. Jesus is the high priest. He's done it all for us on the cross. You and I have access into the fullness of God, into the supernatural of God. You and I have access to this special anointing that is not only to pastors and leaders, it is to everyone who believes. Every single one of us, if you have confessed Jesus as your personal Saviour and your Lord, that gives you complete access, not just limited access. It gives you full access into His presence. It gives you full access into whatever God wants, you, God wants to do in your life. It is the realm of no explanation. And I believe with all my heart that as you enter into whatever that you're going to go through, God is going to open doors which you have never seen open in your lives. God is going to do things in your lives that you never thought or imagined could happen in your life. God is going to begin to see, to have those breakthroughs in your relationship, breakthroughs in all that you are going through, breakthroughs in, in your finances that you never thought could happen, breakthroughs in your children's life that you never thought would come back to the Lord. It's in the realm of no explanation. 
And if you're ready to enter into this realm of no explanation, I want you to stand to your feet.